0: Welcome back to the Bama online podcast. This one on a Monday evening, October the 4th, 2021. Travis Reyer, senior analyst for BOL, joined by senior team reporter Charlie Potter. And Charlie, as we bring you in here, have have you overcome, have you recovered from the suspense of Sunday night football with Tom Brady going back to New England and former Alabama quarterback, mac jones putting on a show of his own now i know you've got so much other stuff with so many alabama players in the nfl maybe you don't have the time to emotionally invest or get caught up in the (laughs) in this suspense like the rest of us charlie
1: no it was a wild game and uh i really didn't think it would be that close like you you knew the storylines going in like that's one of those like you had, it's not the same, but with the Kiffin coming back to Tuscaloosa, like that gets old. And I know those guys that, that covered both of those teams probably got tired of it, but uh, you knew there was going to be a lot of emotion. But you know, the Patriots have looked subpar, honestly. Um, you know, Mac doesn't have just a ton of, of weapons around him. And, you know, <laughs> Tom Brady and the, the Buccaneers returned every starter from last year's team to win the Super Bowl. So I didn't think it was going to be a very close game, but it turned out to be. Uh, exactly that, and uh, it's just a, it it sucks for Mac that the game ended the way it did, kind of out of his control with a kick. But um, you know, I, I think it says a lot too, though, about you know where he is from a, an ability and a maturation standpoint that he was able to go toe to toe with a guy that he said many times he models his game after.
0: Took shot after shot in that game because man, even without Jason Pierre Paul, that front seven for the Bucks is a problem, and the Pats aren't exactly set up with all pros across that offensive line, especially at the tackle positions, but one thing you've always been able to say about Mac Jones, that dude is not afraid on a snap-by-snap basis, and just the composure he continues to show, especially at this level on that sort of stage and that sort of spotlight and another area of Alabama football that Nick Saban, his staff, the marketing crew, the recruiting staff at Alabama can sell is oh, you're prepared for that moment. Even as a rookie, even at the toughest position on the field, Mac Jones, man, 19 straight completions during the course of that game Sunday night. It was a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun in the day since Alabama's 42-21 to win over Ole Miss as well, the Crimson Tide. Takes care of Lane Kiffin. No butter for Lane Kiffin's popcorn, Charlie, on Saturday (laughs) afternoon at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Crimson Tide dominates pretty much in all phases of the game. And the accolades, as you might expect, flowing on a Monday, both from a team perspective where the UA coaching staff is involved and also from the folks over in Birmingham at the SEC offices.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been tough to keep up with all the accolades that Brian Robinson has received on Sunday. He was named the Walter camp national offensive player of the week is actually pretty cool. Cause you had two Hillcrest players, um, you know, get the nod on offense and defense with Kentucky's linebacker. But, uh, and then earlier he was the senior ball player of the week. Uh, he's the sec co-offensive player of the week and he's one of Alabama's Uh, coaching staff players of the week and that's to be expected i mean he's a guy that went out and scored four touchdowns he had 171 yards he really shouldered the load uh, on the ground for alabama and had a career day and um and alabama also rewarded his offensive line i thought the offensive line pretty pretty solid in terms of um you know opening up holes for him and other backs to run through Uh, they did a decent job and, and pass pro i thought evan neal had a really good game at left tackle and, uh, yeah, that they included Kendall Randolph in that because he's really a sixth member of the offensive line. So you had six offensive linemen and Brian Robinson uh, from the UA coaching staff get recognized on offense. Defensively, Will Anderson, of course, um, just continues to be on a tear uh, off the edge for Alabama. He's up to 11 tackle throw offs. Uh, so far this season, which is the most in the nation, you know, he gets a nod from Alabama's coaching staff, and also the SEC is the SEC or SEC co-defensive player of the week. And then you got both safeties and Jordan Battle and Demarco Hellams. Uh, I know that's a position that, you know, going back to the the Florida game, it's one that hasn't been as rock solid as people maybe thought, but they had a pretty solid showing in this game, as did Fidarian Mathis along the defensive line. I thought the, the defensive front as a whole played really well against Ole Miss and their uh rushing attack and Matt Corral's ability to make plays with his legs and then you know Jalen Moody he's racked up these special teams players of the week uh, honors from the UA coaching staff and this is the latest one he had a a big tackle on kickoff coverage and um you know he's a guy that is he's not making maybe as many plays as a Ali Cahoe from a punt blocking standpoint but Jalen Moody's gonna get in there and make a tackle and and you know be willing to play on special teams and that's the kind of player that's usually recognized by the coaches.
0: It says a lot about Jalen Moody, too, that you know, Henry Toa Toa comes over from Tennessee, basically jumps into what most of us at the end of last season felt like would be Jalen Moody's spot, or at least impacted Jalen Moody by coming in and taking over at middle linebacker and Know, Christian Harris able to stay there at the weak side, but says a lot about that dude that he continues to show up and uh, give it everything he's got on special teams. And uh, good for Jalen Moody. And as you said, all these guys very deserving given their performance. As you mentioned, Will Anderson, 11 tackles for loss. He had 11 and a half in 15 <laughs> games last year. So he's a half tackle for loss off of his season total from a damn good season as a true freshman. Uh, In 2020, just an extraordinary start to the season for Will Anderson. Um, We heard from Nick Saban on Monday, as we typically do around the lunchtime hour, and it was a newsy news conference. Not always like that if you're an Alabama fan, because more often than not, that goes back to injuries. And as a part of Brian Robinson's workhorse-like performance on Saturday was the injury to sophomore running back Jace McClellan. The tenor sort of of Nick Saban's postgame comments in relation to Jace and the injury on Saturday didn't sound great. And sort of the 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 biggest the biggest fears were confirmed on Monday when Saban announced that Jace McClellan does indeed have a season ending or at least what appears to be a season ending knee injury. According to Saban, Jace McClellan going to undergo surgery on Tuesday, and I guess when you look at Jace first and foremost, you you obviously feel bad for the young guy. He was very much an emerging factor in that running back rotation, but not just as a running back, but as a receiver as well. And, you know, we'll talk about some of the options that Alabama has when it comes to trying to backfill for Jace McClellan as the top guy behind Brian Robinson, but for Jace himself, you know, you look ahead to the future, and there's still – In 2022, if in fact that's the next time we see Jace McClellan, should be plenty of opportunities because you got Brian Robinson in his final season and uh, with where McClellan had positioned himself, given the time frame of the injury, if there is a silver lining in all this, Charlie, and with the way medicine and rehab works these days. Now, that's a guy that we could see is, at least in terms of his rehab, maybe late season, bowl prep, and then you would think if, even if it's in a limited capacity, hopefully maybe March and April is spring ball next year.
1: Yeah, it is a uh, a real bummer for Jace because he's had a real strong start to the season. And like you said, I mean, it's a blow to Alabama's passing game because what he's been able to provide there, he has three receiving touchdowns on the season. has been a real um, – kind of a security blanket for Bryce Young in terms of being able to check down to him and and him go and and make up some yards and make some big plays. So, um, you know, that's a a real bummer from that standpoint. But, yeah, I mean, we see Alabama players bounce back from stuff like this all the time. And um, I'm sure that Jace will come back uh, you know, strong and, um, you know, be able to contribute and probably be the lead back next year. Um, it was just such a weird situation because yeah, he was, he was playing a good amount against Ole Miss. And then, um, you know, I think he got a, a carry or two early in the third quarter and then we didn't see him again. There was never really a commotion on the sideline or any kind of, yeah, you know, nothing caught your eye in terms of there being something wrong. And then, I noticed that Brian Robinson kept getting carry after carry after carry, and deservedly so. I mean, Nick Saban likes to ride the hot hand, and Brian Robinson was hot on Saturday. Uh, and Then we saw Dill Williams come in the game, and it, I didn't really see Jace on special teams either. And then I finally just noticed him uh, on the sideline uh, in street clothes and on crutches. and I was like, oh, damn, William, what happened? So I made sure to make that a, a note to ask Nick Saban after the game. And like you said, he didn't have a very uh, – optimistic diagnosis immediately after the game. And then he confirmed his injury today. So, um, it's a blow. Um, but you know, Alabama entered the season with a lot of depth at running back. Uh, we now know kind of what's been going on with Kamar Wheaton who hasn't played this season. He's dealing with a meniscus injury in his week to week. So Alabama is now down to, to three scholarship running backs. And, um, you know, we've seen what Brian Robinson has been able to do. He's had a really good season, but, Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And and Trace Sanders are going to have to step up as well.
0: And when you talk about the limited candidates that are in that mix, because it is, as you outlined for us there, pretty much three scholarship guys at this point. You had some off-season attrition with Kyle Edwards moving on, with Keelan Robinson transferring to Texas. So there was a thinning of the position even before we got to fall camp, and now that's been uh, a continuation with the injuries to Wheaton and now McClellan. Um you think about maybe the fact that this team could still have 10 games to play. You know, if they go through the SEC championship game, make it to perhaps the national championship game, that's 15 games. They played five. It just seems like they're a long way from the shoreline to have three scholarship backs, especially with the way they use their backs. It's obviously a physical rushing attack. But as we've talked about many times, Charlie, The standard that there is also in pass protection, that's a collision scenario each and every time. It's right up there with being tackled, maybe even some instances beyond the sort of violence that's uh, incorporated into those scenarios. So, uh, Roydell Williams, as you've said, uh, Trey Sanders, as we know, uh, week to week, these guys have to be involved, one or both of them, because – I just feel like you're too far away from the finish line. All due respect to Brian Robinson, but there's only one Derrick Henry, okay? Derrick Henry had 395 carries in 2015. No one has come close to that in the Nick Saban era. Yes, Glenn Coffey had a number of carries in 2008. Mark Ingram in 2009. Trenton Richardson. But I just don't think it's realistic to think – that Robinson can go through that sort of stretch. One or both of these guys have to be able to give more than just a little bit, don't they?
1: I think so, and you mentioned their workload. They, they also play special teams, uh, both of those young guys, and, and Jason McClellan was one as well. So that's even more uh, time on the field. But, um, you know, I, I think – if they stay healthy, it's it's not really an issue. But you know, we've already seen Brian Robinson, um, you know, uh, deal with a, a rib injury. He didn't play against Southern Miss. You know, Trey Sanders is still coming off of that uh, hip injury that he's lucky to be able to still be playing football from. Uh, and then you know, maybe Kamar Wheaton shows up later in the season, but you know maybe that's just a redshirt situation for him dealing with a meniscus injury uh, who knows you know we'll see how that goes uh, uh, throughout the year but yeah you know, they're going to need some big time production from uh, Roy Dell and from Trey and yeah I think the Southern Miss game was really big for Roy Dell um, you know kind of sharing the carries with Jace and uh, you know, it's not SEC defense. It's not SEC competition, but you know, Southern Miss had a pretty decent defensive front, and he was able to see some success there uh, with the first 100 yard game for Alabama on the season. Uh, but, you know, Trey Sanders, um, you know, just the way that Nick Saving kind of talked about him, you know, talking about him getting more of an opportunity and how he's got to be able to step up and continue to make progress. Um, I think he's healthy, but maybe he's not doing everything they want him to do. Uh, from what you said, like a, a pass protection standpoint and things like that, and maybe he is still kind of you know banged up a little bit, not a hundred percent. But you know, Nick Saban's talked about it at at length really here of late since Will Anderson dealt with that um, knee injury going into the Florida game. Uh, you know, guys, you know, there's some instances where they can play hurt. Um, you know, they're not. Uh, injured and, and out for the game, but they're dealing with stuff but they still uh, can play and maybe that's what's going on with Trey, but I, I agree that I don't see Brian Robinson being a bell cow for like he was on Saturday the rest of the season, so they're going to need some of those young guys to step up and um, you know, if you, know, you, you hate to, to say it and maybe speak it into existence, but, you know, if they have another setback, then maybe they have to look at it, uh, an emergency kind of situation where they pull another player mm-hmm. from position to, to do some running back type things.
0: Yeah, Saban touched on that Monday and that that is a very real possibility. I would think as early as today's practice, at least for a period or two, mm-hmm. you're cross training some guys. I mean, we've seen it at other positions. More natural sort of in the transition, though, when you talk about outside linebacker, inside linebacker, you know, things like that, maybe even safety and corner, um, things that are pretty relative. And look, running back, quarterback, if it is one of those guys, wide receiver would seem to be a sensible outlet to look at a guy or two. You've got guys that at the high school level have certainly handled the football a lot on the offensive side. Uh, between those type of skill positions, and even when you look at the the secondary for Alabama, you're going to have at least a couple of guys who were stars on offense, two way guys in high school. Uh, a guy like Christian Story, just throwing it out there. This was a guy who played everywhere on the high school level. So he just to, just to use an example, not to say that he'll be that guy or one of those guys. There are more than a few. That again, at least on the prep level, we're asked to do a lot of different things, including handle the football. The The problem with that is the reason why it's not as easy, right, is because of everything we've talked about that the running backs have to do at Alabama. It's not just, well, we're going to hand it to you and throw it to you. It's everything else that comes with it.
1: Yeah, that's the that's the tough part. And I, I agree with Christian Story. I mean, this is us just speculating who we think could possibly Potential be an yeah case of emergency yeah. kind of thing. But the first two that came to mind for me were Christian Story and Slade Bolden, just because they have kind of been that jack of all trades for their respective high school teams. They've been that, you know, quarterback or wildcat quarterback and and done something. We've seen Slade Bolden be a wildcat quarterback for Alabama uh last season. So, you know, that could be um is something that, that happens. I know a lot of people have, have mentioned Jalen Noreau, but I, I think we're talking about the depth at that, that running back and it now being thinner than it used to be. Quarterback is too, and you know you, you don't want to uh, you, – you never can predict injuries, but if something happens to Bryce Young, they're going to want to have both Paul Tyson and Jalen Milrow available at quarterback. So I don't know if they would go that route. He certainly would make sense with how much they like to run him. But, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if we see any of that maybe in, in warmups uh, or, you know, maybe in a game here down the road or uh, later in the game if Alabama jumps out to a big lead. But I do think I, I agree with you. I don't know if it'll be a guy making a, a permanent move or a situation where he's getting just a ton of reps at practice. But I do think that they'll certainly cover their bases and get them at least some reps as early as today's practice. I agree with you there.
0: Yeah, the trick is, okay, you want to cross-train some guys. That's fine, but you don't want to disrupt the day-to-day preparation in some instances that guys that are already a part of a rotation, um, it would seemingly be easier if it's a non-rotational guy, and I think Milrow's a fascinating uh, uh, candidate, And, and I agree with what you said, based on the situation at quarterback right now and and I personally don't like especially at the quarterback position disrupting the development of, of a player at that spot I think the day-to-day continuity and staying kind of in that vacuum that quarterbacks need to be in is important now if it gets down to just desperation mode I, I get it from that perspective but yeah for some guys that are either you know non-rotational, Guys in the in the week to week plan right now, or or maybe they are, but you know you're in a situation at their particular spot with a Slade Bolden. You still got a, a JoJo Earl there, and, and you've got some decent depth uh, at wide receiver. So yeah, that will be extremely interesting to see how that plays out here in the coming days. Hey, let's get into this football team. Our state of the Crimson Tide. Look at Alabama sitting at 5-0, and oh, getting ready to make that trip to College Station to take on the Aggies of Texas A&M, the beleaguered Aggies at this point after dropping their last two games in a row. We'll go back to the offensive side of the ball, and the passing attack for Alabama against Ole Miss last Saturday uh, did some good things, especially early in the game, I believe, Bryce Young hit on his first seven passes in the game. Still did a very good job on third down. Had the red zone interception. You don't like to see that on an extended play. Uh, But boy, Jamison Williams continues to be uh, an emerging part of this offense to the point where we saw him, Angelo Billingsley, targeted twice as many times as John Mechie in the win over Ole Miss. Uh, Pass protection seemed to be pretty good throughout the game and Uh, Once again, a wide number of targets for Bryce Young. This is a guy who isn't afraid to spread it around.
1: No, he definitely likes to do that, and uh, I think that's good. Um, I think Mechie probably gets a lot of attention. He's had a pretty quiet start to the season, even though he's racked up a decent amount of catches, and he he scored a touchdown uh, on Saturday. But I think the emergence of Jameis Williams uh, certainly has helped the offense and the passing game especially. Uh, I think both tight ends, uh, especially now having Jaleel Billingsley back, has been big. And, you know, again, it, it goes back to what we were talking about. The running backs have been involved, in, and that's something that some of these other guys are going to have to pick up the slack with Jason McClellan on. I think Trey Sanders can be effective as a receiver you um, know, if he gets on the field. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But I, I think with Bryce— uh, yeah, he was seven for seven in the first quarter. It's the second year in a row that Alabama's starting quarterback has been perfect on his pass attempts in the first quarter against the Rebels. So you know, they've been efficient. They've been effective. Um, you know, I think he probably wants the interception back. But outside of that, he, he had a, a really strong day. He's up to 17 touchdown passes in five games. And, um, you know, I know it's not necessarily, you know, what he was preparing for but the the storyline going into it was a battle with early uh heisman trophy contenders, guys at the top of the list and i thought matt corral still played uh well um he didn't um make a a lot of mistakes which is what we saw him do against arkansas last year which led to a loss for the rebels but um you know i thought both quarterbacks were effective and, and bryce young showed that while he's not necessarily a dual threat quarterback he can again still continue to extend plays keep his eyes, eyes downfield and, and make plays to the air and he did that uh, quite a good bit on saturday and uh i think you know for the most part the offensive line did a pretty good job from a, a pass protection standpoint which is again why all of them were awarded uh players of the Week by the coaching staff
0: yeah that ability to extend plays might really be highlighted this week with texas a&m coming up and DeMarvin Leal and Michael Clemens and Tyree Johnson and some of the guys that the Aggies can get after the quarterback with. But, yeah, I think of those 26 attempts in the game, probably only two that he would like to have back. The interception in the red zone also had Jamison Williams on a deep corner out there that he just missed him on. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, once again, very, very efficient. Bryce Young and a multiple touchdown passing game for him once again. And how about Cam too, man? All he does is catch touchdown passes, Charlie. Yeah, I was really
1: glad that that, that happened because uh you know, I talked to Cam and his mom Future last guy. week. You know,
0: sometimes that yeah, sometimes yeah. that that's a jinx, right? It went, <laughs> yeah. it was the it was the Charlie Potter Midas touch last week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've talked to some players. I talked to to SDH, Sean Deion Hamilton, before the SEC championship game. And he went out and tore his ACL, so I've had the reverse of that. But you know, it, it was good to see just because talking to him and his his mom, hearing the all the work he's put in and how he's really just bought into the process and um, openly accepted and and um, been willing to transition to tight end it's finally paying off for him and yeah i mean it seems like every time he catches the ball he ends up in the end zone and it was his only catch of the game it was only three yards but um you know it was the, the play that the Nick Saban highlighted as the play of the game afterwards in his um kind of tv segment and uh, i think it was well executed by everybody and uh, he slips uh into the end zone and bryson finds him easily for the touchdown
0: Yeah, when you're able to pound the rock like Alabama was able to do it, especially from heavy formations last Saturday, and you go play action down there on the goal line, that's usually easy money, and that was the case for Cameron Latou from Bryce Young last Saturday. Uh, The run game, we pretty much already hit on that with the workhorse performance from Brian Robinson in the win, the injury to Jason McClellan. Uh, this is a team, though it seems like more and more in terms of offensive line play, got to clean up some shotgun snaps. I don't think there's any debate about that after Saturday. And really, it's been a little bit of an inconsistent thing for Darian Dalcourt. But once the ball snap, this group looks like it's starting to, uh, you know, come together more and more. That cohesion, the continuity, all those things. Seems like it's showing up more and more on a weekly basis. And the fact that all five of those guys, and then as you said earlier in the pod, Kendall Randolph, also as a six guy, were awarded Offensive Player of the Week honors on Monday. It tells you uh, the coaching staff likes what it sees from this group in a, an area that we pondered as potential movement uh, taking place as we move through the early stages of the season, even. Uh, last week, I think we talked about it. It, it. it looks like that group is is becoming more and more solidified.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things Nick Saban said today is that uh, he thinks there's been steady improvement of front, which I think a lot of us can agree on. And, um, you know, I think with, with the Dow Court, uh, really the, just the center position, you know, when we were talking about that as a position that featured competition heading into the season, or at least that last you know, what was a week and a half before the season started, that was something he pointed to was snaps. And, um, you know, he's he's done a solid job for the most part, but you can still, like you said, point out some inconsistencies and that stuff he wants to work on. But, um, you know, I think the fact that they've they've had that start on the road as a group, they were able to overcome uh, some of the cadence issues that they had and, and be able to finish the game like they did, um, you know, for them to be able to, you know, go against an Ole Miss front that, um, you know, they they weren't bringing the house. There was a lot of three-man front uh, kind of stuff with uh, six defensive backs and and eight players dropping back. But nonetheless, though, it's SEC competition, and they were able to kind of have their way at times in terms of the run game. And um, that group's going to have to continue to play well because, you know, we've we've talked about the entire podcast, the loss to Jace McClellan. It's not backbreaking or anything like that, but you're losing an effective back. Uh, and getting some of these young guys that are you know, stepping into larger roles and, and newer experiences, you know, to have an offensive line that is coming together and playing better each and every week is, is something that those young backs are certainly going to uh, embrace and, and be very thankful for.
0: There's some security for those guys when you talk about Roydell Williams and Trey Sanders and knowing that you do have an improving front that was already a quality group to start the season. So just trust those guys and, you know, run within the scheme. Don't try to get into freelancing or things like that. And, you know, the opportunity is going to be there to have some positive results. And when you talk about these secondary running backs to Brian Robinson, I mean, ball security, obviously is at the top of the list for Roydell Williams and Trey Sanders. They both had fumbles early in the season. And then again, off the ball, pass protection. And, You know, not so much just the collision aspect. There's more to it than that. There's the ability to identify okay, if they're bringing two guys, you know, and we're in a certain protection, where's my responsibility first and foremost? Who is the quarterback accounting for? You know, things like that that happen after the snap that you have to be able to process and then execute on top of it to keep your quarterback as clean as possible. Defensive side of the ball, Charlie, you know, I thought it was a 180 from the Florida game. What it told me as much as anything, this team learned something. This defense mm-hmm. learned something from the trip to Gainesville because there were some concepts in play that I think Florida may have borrowed from Ole Miss last year, and then certainly Ole Miss was going to you know, go to that well one more time, but unlike last October in Oxford, really from the outset, other than a few missed tackles early and those were cleaned up, this was a defense at every level that was – Pretty much in lockstep, which is what it requires to successfully defend an offense like Ole Miss, because you can't just focus on one back or you know one aspect of the run game. They do multiple things with multiple guys in that part of it.
1: Yeah, I, I thought the defense played uh, pretty well for the most part. Again, they, I think the 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 biggest issue for Nick Saban is the inability to finish. And I think that's also something that, you know, in a game like this, when they played so well early on uh, the team collectively for them to still have something to to go back to the drawing board for to hang your hat on. And that's what Nick Saban loves. He wants something to bitch about and to to be able to have this team focus on and not, you know, be complacent and everything like that. So, uh, you know, he would like to see them play a complete game. But the fact they still haven't five games through and they've been dominant at times. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a benefit for them because they can still play that later on down the road, but defensively, yeah. I mean, with, with the way that Ole Miss was able to run the ball last year, um, you can tell that Alabama took a a different kind of approach. It was the, a mixture of the run game and just the speed and tempo that Lane Kiffin likes to use and Jeff Levy likes to use. And, um, you know, they, they really, um, went in on, Kind of using the same personnel group, but not substituting as much, and that you know helps to, to get lined up quicker. Um, I think Henry Toa Toa did a nice job of getting the call from the sideline and relaying it to his teammates quickly, which is something that you know, he said he really emphasized going into the week. And then those players read their keys. Um, you know Toa Toa really broke down a a play. Um, I think it was the, the fourth down play when uh, Ole Miss had it at their own 31 and uh, it was a pitch play and he pitched a uh, Corral pitched it to the back and Henry Totoa read it the entire way and made a, a key tackle for loss there for another turnover on downs and um, you know the way that Alabama was just able to read some things and to adjust and um, you know play well on third and fourth down was big in this game uh, you know Lane Kiffin gambled a lot and Alabama made some of his biggest plays on some of those biggest gambles and I think the the stops on fourth down, the ability to kind of, for lack of a better word, corral uh, Ole Miss's offense and running game were, were huge for Alabama and, able, and being able to to win and get out to a big league like they were able to.
0: Yeah, pretty much that Toa Toa play was the same option play that gave Alabama fits down in Gainesville. Mm-hmm. So you figured Lane, even if it was just to troll the old man, right? <laughs> even if he was just in troll mode, he was going to give – Alabama some option and that was a big big spot on a fourth down and Toa Toa was there and he was absolutely outstanding again as much as anything I like the connectivity that you saw from the Alabama defense in defending an old Miss offense that in a lot of ways is basically the new era triple option and it requires discipline and responsibilities to be handled And defensive linemen can't go rogue, can't play hero ball at linebacker, things like that. And I know it's tired. I know it's cliche, but for the most part, Alabama guys won their respective boxes, play in and play out, while the game was competitive anyway. We also saw, because of injury, some depth that was revealed on the back end of the Alabama defense in going against – This Ole Miss offense now Ole Miss was Without Jonathan Mingo their Top option on the outside That needs to be noted but uh, Alabama again tackling uh, Handling the quick Game that Ole Miss likes to implement So much did a nice job I would say and uh, You know thankfully Kenny Yeboah no longer at Ole Miss So the tight end wasn't as much of an issue But it kind of Made Matt Corral get off his first Guy a lot And with that, the pass rush was also effective with Will Anderson, obviously, and guys like that doing their thing. But again, a collective effort, a lot of guys doing some good things. And you talked about the safeties, Jordan Battle and DeMarco Ellums. I thought this was a kind of a prove it game for these guys that we both expected a lot from going into the season. And like pretty much the rest of the back end, they answered the bell for sure. They did. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And both of those guys uh, were dealing with injuries during the game. Uh, we saw DeMarco Holmes go down early on. Daniel Wright stepped in and then uh, Jordan Battle uh, went to the locker room before halftime, I uh, believe, with a foot injury. And uh, he came back. They were both able to return to the game. And that was big for Alabama because, again, like like we have just talked about, they played well and they tackled well, which is key, in my opinion, because that's something that they've kind of struggled with, at least early on. And, um, you know, we saw, again, that kind of revolving door at Star. I I still don't really fully understand what's going on there. Um, They didn't sub a lot. So we saw a lot of nickel uh, for the most part. So uh, it was the first series Malachi Moore was in. Uh, is that slot defensive back and then the second series was Brian Branch the third was Malachi Moore the fourth was Brian Branch so they kind of alternated them uh, but you know they want to get them both on the field and uh, if they're going to kind of play mostly in nickel personnel that's the way to do it I guess and uh, you know keep both players happy and uh, I think you know they played pretty well and again like you said there was no Kenny Oboa in this game and uh, the tight ends you been a bugaboo for Alabama dating back to, to last year, if not beyond. Uh, but even with Jonathan Mingo out, they were able to to really uh, do a nice job in, in pass defense. Um, and, you know, Crowell had a, a solid game, 21 to 29. Uh, but, you know, I expected more plays from the
0: receivers. Um, yeah, know, kept the explosive we, plays to, uh, you know, a reasonable amount for sure, right?
1: Yeah, I, I didn't, you know, going back and looking. Don'tario Drummond had four catches, but I barely remember hearing his name right. in the game, and that's big. Uh, you right know, Sanders had the yeah. one-handed catch on the sideline, but you know, outside of that, uh, was kept in check for the most part. And um, you know, I, I think that is big for the defensive backfield because um, you know, last year it was uh, almost run the ball but yeah. they were also able to have success to the air and not so much this year, 213 yards and a touchdown from crown. And that's it. You know, he was, he was efficient. Uh, he was uh, accurate with the ball, but you know, they didn't, like you said, they cut down the explosive plays and, and that was really big for the defense.
0: Yeah. You got to talk about Drew Sanders and Will Anderson. Obviously we talk about Will Anderson a lot, but Drew Sanders once again with a really solid performance, uh, a couple of quarterback hurries, Maybe nicked up a little bit. We didn't get an extensive injury update from Nick Saban on Monday, so maybe that's a good thing for some of these guys because at the end of the day, even though it was a convincing Alabama win, it was still a physical game, you know, and you kind of anticipated that uh, going into it. But those edge guys, you saw some of the depth there. You saw some of the depth at safety. Maybe a little bit of a surprise. And, hey, good, good for Daniel Wright, all right? Good for him. Um, but you know, you sort of anticipate maybe that's going to be Brian branch from a depth perspective, but, uh, just shows you, they still have a lot of confidence in Daniel. Wright. And uh, I would think this week with Texas A&M, it'll be another nickel heavy type of game. Although, you know, a and kind of like Alabama offensively. Uh, they'll give you some 21 personnel, two backs and a tight end. They'll give you some 12 personnel with two tight ends. So, uh, regardless though, another busy week you would think coming up for for will anderson and drew sanders
1: yeah and uh yeah i i wanted to give drew sanders a game ball but i try to keep it like we've talked about i try to keep it to about six and not just get you know happy with those and throw them out to everybody but he has played well and um you know he did a nice job at contain and his his ability to apply pressure um you know, we, we've talked so much about Will Anderson, but Drew Sanders has been a guy that you know, both of them had two quarterback hurries. That was tied for the team lead. And, uh, you know, they're getting pressure on the quarterback, which leads to, to bad passes. And um, yeah, I think that um, he has made up for a lot of what they've missed from Chris Allen from that standpoint and uh you know talking about the running backs that's what you want those younger guys to do to come in and play like drew Sanders has and seize that opportunity and he's certainly done that and um yeah i think you know daniel right he he takes his lumps um you know he's he's liable to be you know out of position or make a mistake but i thought he played pretty well and uh you know they're going to need that from him going forward because you know like we were talking about at the star position they're kind of doing that revolving door with malachi Moore and, and brian branch and with that happening, we've seen Daniel Wright kind of be the money in those dime looks. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how it plays out moving forward. But altogether, collectively, you know, defensive line, outside linebackers, inside linebackers, guys in the secondary, uh, I think the, those guys deserve a, a lot of credit for the way they're able to play because there were a lot of people picking Ole Miss in this game because of you know, their explosive ability on offense. And these guys really answered the bell.
0: Yeah, between the linebackers and the safeties this week, Jalen Weidermeyer, the Texas A&M tight end might give them a little something to think about. That's on top of Isaiah Spiller, Devon Achain, and those running backs to go along with that. So big week coming up for Alabama linebackers and safeties with what they'll see from the Texas Texas A&M offense, easy for me to say, on Saturday (laughs) night. Charlie, I think we're about pretty good here, unless you want to talk about Will Reichard's kickoff out of bounds or his consecutive PAT streak. Nothing drives me more crazy. The worst penalty in football, to me anyway, is the kickoff out of bounds. Drives me nuts, Charlie, especially when you do it on the opening kickoff against an offense that's putting up numbers with the very best in all college football, if not the very best. And I'm a Will Reichard guy, okay? How can you not be? But how wide is the football field? I understand you're trying to kick it down the left side. Just kick it down the left hash. Your coverage unit is better than most starting defenses. All right? In college football, just keep the ball between the sidelines, Charlie. Damn.
1: So It sounds like you wanted to talk about Will Reichard and special teams. Uh, <laughs> 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 but, hey, for what it's worth, it did bounce inbound – or it landed inbound. Yeah, in- I
0: mean it was a little
1: bit of bad luck.
0: But you don't even need to flirt
1: with it, you know? I know. I know. Damn. I will say – I'm I always um, – I don't know why. I was always the end the guy on hands team in high school. And anytime that ball was coming at me and it looked like it was going to sell over my head, I let it. Because yeah. I, I was like, I'll, I'll take the flag out of bounds. I won't take a, a necessary so damn,
0: Charlie, in addition to running a self-reported 4-5-40 in high school, was also the hands guy on the onside team. Damn, Charlie. I don't know if we've given you enough love for your uh, football prowess at the uh, B. Hey, that was – uh, that was a, a hand time for seven. Five. <laughs> I Oh, I thought you said that. four five. I missed now, seven we, there. Hey, okay.
1: We, we clarified uh, that. I publicly for <laughs> <because laughs>
0: The
1: reaction. I was like, "Why is he freaking out about this?" And I was like, "Oh, because I said it wrong."
0: Um. um I. 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 Not, you don't have any blowback from me on it. If you tell me four five, we're going with it, Charlie. <laughs> I mean, that's as good as Honestly, gold to me. No, like,
1: Everybody knows those high school uh, coaches with their stopwatches. I mean, every <laughs> uh, could go to the the combine and have a strong showing with with what they get time. Oh yeah, think. sure. Right. No, I I think from um, outside of that, uh, Rikers had another strong day. You know, James Burnup one punt. Not a lot of punting in this game, and I think that's a lot
0: of fourth was, down
1: attempts. Right? Yeah. But um, you know, Jamison Williams, another strong uh kick return, you know, slate Baldwin got the only Didn't punt. Turn return. it
0: over. Didn't so, block in the back on punt returns that yeah, I remember. That was, that's a that's a step up. That was something that uh,
1: Nick Saban was really pissed about on his radio show because he kept bringing it up because mm-hmm. they like what they've seen from JoJo Earl. Um, he had the one punt return for for two yards, so he didn't break free from this one, but they see the potential there. But when he has broke free for those runs, uh, those punt returns, they always block it. Yeah. Him. So uh um, young think- guys. Yeah, we'll we'll maybe see him uh, break a long one off here in the future. But overall a pretty quiet day from special teams, I would say. Uh but I guess, you know, in a game like this when your defense plays well, that that's you'll take it.
0: Absolutely. Well, Charlie, as always, we'll take it when you uh give us some time here on the Bam Online Podcast. Always appreciate it, always appreciate everything you do for us there at B O L as well. Thanks a lot, Charlie. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. It's the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the BOL Podcast? It's as simple as a click or two. If you leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Join us on the Roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the world. That's right, the Roundtable right there with us. Post up with us at bamaonline.com For Charlie, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again. Until next time, so long, everybody.